already seen a change in the millennial women. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to speak up. They're more likely to have an opinion. They're more likely to be aggressive and ask what they want. Hello, and welcome to A New Angle. I'm your host, Justin Angle, Associate Professor of Marketing at the University of Montana College of Business. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around Missoula, Montana. We're interested in creativity and hustle, and the people we'll speak with here exude both of those in spades. Buckle up and let's go. Hello, and welcome back to A New Angle. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode features an interview with Michelle Cardinal. Michelle was recently on campus as the Gilkey Lecture Series speaker for the spring semester, and Michelle is the founder and CEO of the R2C Group, a large and important marketing agency headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Michelle and her husband, Tim O'Leary, a graduate of our marketing program, but also our creative writing program, are tremendous supporters of many things we do here at the College of Business, and we, we thank them for that. We thank them for their involvement in many initiatives here. This conversation today was pretty powerful. We dug into two important issues that are near and dear to Michelle's heart and important for uh, our community, but also society at large. The first is that of homelessness. Homelessness is a huge problem in Portland and many other cities in the Pacific Northwest and the, and the Western United States in general. And it's uh, an issue with a lot of importance to the Missoula community as well. That issue sort of came front and center uh, to how her business operates. And she has, in a short period of time, become quite an activist and is very engaged in the homelessness crisis in Portland and doing a lot of important things to help and using the power of her business to do that. So it's really interesting to hear her perspective on how business can be a force for good in um, addressing some of society's biggest and most difficult problems. The other issue we talked about today is how women can be better to women in the workplace and what responsibility uh, female business leaders have to support other women in the workplace. And this was particularly interesting to me as a follow-up to the conversation uh, we had a few weeks ago with Jackie Moore and Suzanne Tillman, but also as the father of two young girls and trying to sort of figure out how best to build a culture of support amongst young girls and women in the workplace as well. So without further ado, I'll turn you over to Michelle Cardinal. So we're here today with Michelle Cardinal. Michelle, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. So you are here for the Gilkey Lecture this evening on International Women's Day. That's a pretty big honor. It is, and I, I'm really pleased to be here. We could get into a lot about your career, but what I wanted to first get into is the premise for why you're here. You're talking about homelessness, but that's a vehicle for other things. So maybe you could elaborate on that. Sure. The title of the lecture is Caring is Good for Business. And it stems from my experiences working in Portland and building a business in Portland and also San Francisco. I've got four offices around the country, and I've been watching this homeless crisis grow and grow and grow on the West Coast. And I had this situation happen that brought me into becoming a homeless advocate. Okay. And that's the journey. I'm going to talk about that tonight in the lecture, but the real reason I'm here is because the business school invited me. So this is an opportunity for me to talk to potential entrepreneurs, future business owners about their role in what I call the social contract, Mm -hmm. which is this notion that you're 
role when you run a business isn't just to make money and make profits because a lot of these business schools are pumping out hundreds and thousands of these talented young brains that are very focused on building a business, right. going public, looking for their next event, getting their next private equity deal. And that's great. I've been there, done mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. building personal wealth. I'm all for it. I don't know if we're teaching what that responsibility is then after that okay. or even during that and what we what our responsibility is to our communities. And so that's a lesson that I learned that I now want to share. And so I call it the circle of life. Yeah. And it's the social contract. We, as a business, need to have clean and safe streets mm -hmm. so we can do business and our customers and clients want to come visit us yeah. and we can grow. And then I can hire more people okay. and pay them more and give them benefits and health care. And then they pay their taxes, hopefully give something back. Mm -hmm. They volunteer, they give money, and then we help those in need. And to me, that's a circle. And without any of those components, it, does, it doesn't work. And so that that's my message. Okay. And so what does that look like for you with R2C Group and your various, various ventures? Yeah. So we started in Portland in 1998, my mm -hmm. first company, C Media, and we were very successful out the gate. And I experienced tremendous growth year over year. We're going on to our 19th year. And about seven years ago, I had somewhat of an existential crisis. The business was doing well, but it wasn't growing. I was under okay. a lot of pressure from the shareholders to grow, 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 EBITDA, EBITDA, EBITDA. <laughs> and I just wasn't happy. And I thought, I can't, I don't know if I'm the right person. Like, I, I got it here, but I don't know if I'm the right person. So the I... The right person to, to take drive it to that the next level. Okay, okay. Take it to the next level. And so I went out and hired this gentleman from a very big agency on from the East Coast uh -huh. to come in and take it to the next level. Okay. And that didn't work. <laughs> it was a disaster. Uh, just not a good culture fit. Great guy. Sure. Gave us some great ideas, actually. But as I was going through that, I was also doing a lot of self-awareness and looking at myself uh -huh. about what I wanted to change in my life. And I just kind of had this epiphany that the road for us was to just be, to just create a better environment, hire better people. And, and then all these other things started to happen. Sure. So we were already corporate giving and we were already helping, um, you know, doing our part, our mm -hmm. charity, mostly giving money. Okay. But we started to think more about how we could be involved in the community. Yeah. And so we started building that up. We now do about 300 hours of volunteer work annually. Meaning across your employee base there? Mm -hmm. uh, 220 people yeah. is pretty yeah. good. We pay everyone to take one day oh, a year awesome. and go do something great. We do matching gifts. We um, we adopt families over the holidays. Sure. We have loads of things that we do. Um but this homeless situation kind of took it to the next level. Because we're yeah. already doing all these great things. But then I went, whoa, we need to be doing something here locally. I don't want to be one of these business owners that complains about this problem but uh -huh. doesn't do anything about it. So that's when we really doubled down. Yeah, and in Portland, it's it's salient. It's like right there. The homeless communities are right in the business district. Portland has and... a big problem. Yeah. It has a big problem. We have roughly 4,100 people a night on on the streets, mm. or, well, a homeless count. We do right. that point-in-time homeless count. We just did it in January, and 2,200 of those people are unsheltered. Wow. So that's a lot of people. Yeah. So we have yeah. a big problem. Mm -hmm. 
as you know, we have a big problem here in Missoula, too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the surrounding communities, their homelessness policies bus passes to Missoula because we do have relatively mm-hmm. good services, but they're still meager compared to the sure. demand. Yeah. 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 In my presentation tonight, I'll talk a bit about that and what it looks like nationally. But nationally, we've got about 550,000 homeless people across the country, right. which is disgraceful considering how successful we are and what what a great country right. this is. Right. For a society that's so wealthy, why can't we? Why can't we why get we this figured problem? out? Right, right. So what does, you know, what are you doing and what is RTC Group doing? I mean, you're talking about how this, this needs to become more of a culture yeah. of the way businesses operate. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing to kind of model that behavior for others and yourselves? Yeah, aside from all the charitable things yeah, that we do in exactly. the volunteer time. I actually sit on the board of Central City Concern, which Wonderful. is one of the largest homeless charities in Portland. And I was invited to be on the board last year. Okay. And my primary role there is to try to raise money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we just finished up a capital campaign. Uh, we raised $3 million for that capital campaign, and that's all going to go towards low-income housing, the building of 380 units. Okay. It's a drop in the bucket in terms of what we need, but it's a start. Yeah. Um, so I offer up my marketing help, and everyone on my staff is involved. We do campaigns. We do, right, you know, we do advertising for them, and I help them with business outreach. I did a, um, a meeting, a, what we call a coffee chat, where we yep. brought in about 30 companies from in, in our area, in the downtown area, to educate business owners on the homeless issue so that we could then turn them into advocates because I don't I, I believe this is a community problem and I would say you know 90% of our funding comes from the government in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and we need to step that up we need local businesses to step up and also contribute as well so that's one of our goals sure and so you've come to this I don't want to say post success, but in, you know, a little later in the process, mm-hmm. and to speak to entrepreneurs and young students in the in the audience this evening, how would you advise students and or budding entrepreneurs, people starting out, to build this into the fabric of the way they approach business? Well, I try to be realistic. Okay. I'm not. I, I'm not here to tell people to do something that I wasn't even willing to do. I wasn't even aware yeah. that I should be doing it. Yeah. As we got successful, we've always been very charitable, so that's that's there. Um, so everyone has their own journey. Sure. But what I wanted to teach is this idea that you actually do have a responsibility. Okay. And if you understand that, when it's right and the time is right for you to jump in. You'll know when that time is right. Mm -hmm. When you're struggling and you're trying to pay the bills and you're trying to make ends meet and you're up every night until 3 o'clock in the morning, that's a lot to ask. But I think once you get over the hump and you're in a place where, you know, things are under control, you should start thinking about it. And I I think the other thing is millennials, Mm -hmm. and there's research for this, they want to be part of something bigger. They're not just interested in going to work. They want to help others they're a very charitable group. And so what I would say is you're going to also attract rare, great talent if you also have a social component to what you do. Yeah, it's 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 interesting you mentioned that. I was thinking about millennials and then in particular this community here at the University of, University of Montana in Missoula. It's yeah, I've countless students that come in and say, "Hey, I have this great uh social welfare cause or this this great way I want to change the world." And it's, it's an awesome idea. And then it's like, okay, first 
you got to make sure that you're sustainable as a business mm-hmm. in order to make any of these great things mm-hmm. that you're you're dreaming of happen. Absolutely. I just had a student approach me just five minutes ago. I sat in and we did a women's roundtable yeah. where we talked about, you know, women in business. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, oh, I have this great idea for a nonprofit that I want to start, but I have so many student loans, I couldn't possibly do it. And I yeah. said, look, take care of number one first, then take care of everyone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. You, you won't have a healthy existence unless you yourself are stable and she said oh thank you so much i that just lightens my load yeah no i think you know use your use your time wisely and and get yourself stable and then help others but what i'm seeing across the country is i see these corporations making record profits raking in money getting additional tax cuts on top of it we're cutting social services we're cutting medicare we're cutting uh, Medicare expansion, mm-hmm. there are going to be people damaged by this. They're going to be on the streets. Yeah. And I, for one, don't feel that's right. And I, I think we have a social contract. I think we need to give back. I'm not a person who complains about paying my taxes. Sure. I'm unusual, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I'm offended by that, frankly. I think you should give back. Yeah. Portland gave me a lot. They allowed me to start this company, hire all these amazing people. Uh, clients love to come to Portland because we have great restaurants and it's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to be part of the solution. It's a big problem, the homeless problem, but we can tackle it. Sure, sure. So let's um, transition a little bit. You said you just came from this women's roundtable. And, and you know, as, as I was getting to, to learn a little bit more about you, you gave an interview to the HuffPost um, a while back. And a, and a quote really stood out to me. And, and you said, Girls are typically raised to see other girls or women as the competition. And as a father of two young daughters, that really stood out. And I thought, wow, you know, do my daughters do that to each other? Do they do that with their classmates? And and, and are there things I'm doing to contribute to that? So can you just talk a little bit about that and and how you sort of recognize that as an issue? Yeah. Well, you know, I was raised in the 70s. I was born in 1967. My mom had nine children, seven girls. Wow. And she actually did a fabulous job, and we've got a great family. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that, yes, I believe that young girls from a early age are raised to compete with each other. And it starts with, I don't know, the shoes, if you're heavier, if you're big, if you're pretty. And that's a distraction. Yeah. You're also not encouraged to speak your mind, at least not in the 70s you weren't. I mean, it, it, I mean, boys are raised to compete with each other, too. Sure, I mean, I was wrestling but it's not with my personal. Okay, so it's on different dimensions? I think it's on a different dimension. Okay. And then, and then I expanded that to business because when I first started becoming successful in the, in the 90s, I was very lucky. I had many women mentors that helped me in my career, and so yeah. I had a fabulous experience. But as I started to grow my business and going out into the business world, pitching, because I do a lot of new business, mm-hmm. the women in the room when you're pitching are tough. They're so tough. Tough on you. So maybe They're that... tough on other women. Okay. And, and we know this. I mean, women who are in sales will yeah. tell you this yeah. story. And I remember thinking about it and thinking, yeah, women in the workplace could be better to each other. We, we should be. And I'm going to call that out. It may yeah. not be popular. But now's the time to call it out because I love this conversation that's happening. It's yeah. such a wonderful conversation. And I think now's the time to call that out and say, hey, you know what? Women should be helping other women. Mm-hmm. And then start with me. Start right now. And so I started really concentrating on women in my 
organization that I think need help and need mentoring to help them get to the next level. I help the men too. Sure. But I'm focusing on women because women are different in how you mentor them. Okay. Yeah. Talk more about that. How are they different? Women are less likely to ask for things. Mm -hmm. They're less uh, the like research supports that. Completely. Yeah, they're yeah. they're less likely to either ask for a raise mm -hmm. or a promotion. They'll find reasons for why they're not qualified for something. Right, right. So it's, I in the research I was just reading this well, it's not a new study, but showing that you know women that are less than optimally qualified for a job are much less likely to apply, but whereas men who are unqualified for a job, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'll put my resume in. Absolutely. And, and, and I've seen this throughout my whole career. And then double down on that, women who have the same credentials are less likely to get the job or to be paid yeah. the same. Yeah. So it's, it's, it goes both ways. Cuts both ways. And so we got a lot of work to do, but the conversation has started. And so that that's what I aim to do. Sure. Now flip it to my seat as an educator of you know, young students of business. How can I do a better job at, of preparing women for that reality, but also helping create the tools for them to change it or, you know, whether, whether it's educating women or educating men. I've already seen a change in the millennial women. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to speak up. They're more likely to have an opinion. They're more likely to be aggressive and ask what they want. So that gives me tons of hope because yeah. I think that you as a parent are probably already doing a great job. I'm going to assume <laughs> that. I don't know. My kids have no problem speaking up. I'll put it that exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a big part of it. When I was in first grade, my first grade teacher told my mother I was a bold child. Bold. That's a bold. loaded word. And she meant it as an insult. Yeah. But my mother laughed. She thought it was funny. And she said, hey, screw her. Yeah. Good for your mom. Yeah. Stop talking, but screw her. You know, Because I was always <laughs> being put outside the door for talking too much. Right. So... These are all just messages that we get as young people. But I think the millennials are, and the women after them, the young girls after them are getting a different experience. But I didn't answer your question. I think you just acknowledging it and encouraging women to help other women is a big step. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too. So I had we did an episode a few weeks back on you know, what we can do as educators to, to do a better job with regard to sexual harassment, sexual misconduct mm -hmm. in the workplace. We had colleagues Jackie Moore and Suzanne Tillman on the show and it's interesting to think about where our, us we as an institution are sort of are failing our students if this bad behavior is going on in the, if it's so rampant in the workplace how can we do a better job and so having these conversations i think is at least the starting point for improvement i absolutely agree with that more women in positions of power and more women yeah. in business will all also change that more women in creative positions to tell women's stories mm -hmm. will also change that. I was very happy to see that the Harvey Weinstein Company is being bought by uh, a, a woman-led yeah. coalition, yeah. and it's going to have a women-majority board. That is an amazing outcome for a sad, terrible story. Yeah, absolutely. They turned it around for a, a, a voice for good. So I hope they make more movies about great women. Yeah. And telling women's stories. Sure. Now they have an editorial sort of role in doing that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to transition a little bit to your connection to Montana. So my understanding of your connection to Montana is through your husband, Tim, who's a graduate of our program. Mm -hmm. But the two of you have a deep commitment to this institution. And that, that manifests in various ways. But the thing I'm interested in today is... You guys hire a lot of our students, mm -hmm. and I, 
another piece uh, I read from that Health Post interview was your philosophy about talent is find the best talent, put them in the same room. So what, what is it about University of Montana students that make them qualified to be part of that best talent? We love Montana. Yeah. So my husband was born and raised in Billings. Mm-hmm. He went for a short time to school in Oregon, then ended up coming back here to Missoula right. and got his undergraduate. And we have just been coming to Montana forever. Since I met him, he introduced me to Montana, and we love to ski here, and he's a fly fisherman. Uh-huh. And when we started getting into our charitable mode yep. about 20 years ago, um, he was asked to, I think, sit on some committee here as, okay. a, as an alum. Probably our advisory board Yeah, or he got on the advisory board. Then he became a trustee. Yep. He sat on the trustee board. So we just started coming here a lot, and then I'd come with him. Yeah. And I got to know everybody here. We have friends here in Missoula. Yeah. Um, but Not we, a bad place to visit. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mary Ellen Campbell, okay. uh, who was one of your professors. Right. I'm actually... I'm sort of in her lineage. This, you know, you my, are? my tenure track line was her tenure track line. Well, so. a fabulous. She's a she's a trailblazing, successful woman. Absolutely, yeah. a lot to live up to there. Yes, she contacted Tim and said, "I have this great kid who you should hire. His name was Butch Bannon." Okay. And Tim said, "Well, he's not probably right for me. Maybe he's right for Michelle." So I interviewed this kid, and my company was pretty small at the time. I think I had ten people. Sure. Hired him. That was a great experience. Then she called and said, I have this other guy, Mario Schultzke. Okay. So we hired him. Then Mario stayed with us for a few years, then ended up coming back here to the university. That's right. That's right. To run your marketing. Until very recently. Until very recently. He's been here five years. Mm -hmm. He then started an analytics course that we funded. Yep. And the deal was every talented person that you have, send them our way. Yeah. (laughs) Right, a first refusal to mm-hmm. the best of the best. Yeah, and I think the business school at that time was also doing a um, a Northwest tour of companies every year. They we bring were. the students we around. Were doing, we were taking our MBAs Did and you our do undergrads. That? I never went on the tour. Simona Stan was leading that. Sherry yeah. Likala before her, before her. That's correct. So we'd have Montana students coming all the time. So we just had a steady stream of students coming and doing internships. And what we love about Montana students is that they're very well prepared. Mm-hmm. They're perfect for our culture because they are good, solid humans, which is very important. Yes. It's not always the case in the advertising industry. They love the outdoors mm-hmm. and they really work for us. They work really hard for us. So we've had such great luck. We actually have a recruiter here today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a question comes to mind as you're talking about that. So hearkening back to our conversation about women, maybe women feeling, you know, the research showing they're less assertive about asking for what they deserve. One thing I've noticed with Montana students is that they're a little bit reticent to think that they're ready to play on the big stage. Uh-huh. That they're ready to go to Portland and work for a shop like yours yeah. and perform against students from the Harvards and Stanfords of the world. Yeah. Do you do you have to do a little coaching with with those students with those uh, with those hires? That that I haven't found that to be the case. Okay. I've met several students even today that have come to me and said, "I'm either going to Seattle or I'm either going to Portland." Yeah. You know, what do you think? Okay. And we had conversations about it. So I don't know. I think I think that they know. They know what they want to do. That's good to hear. Yeah. So another piece, Michelle, of your advocacy work I'd love to touch on is this Facebook group you have, um, What Smart Girls Do. What's that all about? One of the 
things that I've noticed is that women have very few role models. And I was alluding to this in my conversation right. about the Harvey Weinstein company, right? Mm -hmm. If we could just have more examples of successful women. And I kept coming across these articles and stories about these amazing women, and I didn't have a forum to share them. So I just created this Facebook page. And the idea is trying to just put out there examples of fabulous women doing fabulous things sure. to serve as examples and role models for others, young yeah. women, old women, it doesn't matter. And and it's become kind of a sharing thing. So yeah. other women see it and then they share it. And, and it's just a way to just promote this idea that I have that I believe the more you see other people like yourself doing mm -hmm. something, the more likely you will jump in and say, I can do that. Yeah, it kind of gives you license. Yeah. You can visualize yourself in that role. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sheryl Sandberg wrote a book called Lean In. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And I love that book. I completely agree with it. It didn't resonate with a lot of women because they said, oh, well, sure, you can lean in. You have, you know, all this money. And, you know, you can hire people to help you. Right. And I don't necessarily agree with that criticism, although I kind of understand it. And so what I aim to do is say there are women in all walks of life doing amazing things. And here they are. Yeah. Here's this one person that did this amazing thing. Isn't that great? You know, one thing I took, a, I don't know if I took away, but one thing I was thinking as I was reading Cheryl, I read Lean In, mm -hmm. and I was wondering, how on earth does she do all this stuff? Like, how, mm. how do you keep balance in your life? I mean, you, you're, you're running a hugely successful company, 220 employees roughly. Mm -hmm. She's got these philanthropic endeavors, this engagement with women's issues. How, how do you do it all? How do you keep balance? Well, I don't have children. So that, that, yeah, that is helpful to me. And and so I don't put myself up there on the same level as women who have children because mm -hmm. I have a lot of women that work for me that have children and right. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. And I, I think how they do it is they've got a great spouse mm -hmm. that helps them. And Cheryl Sandberg does talk about that right. is the, that balance. But for me, I just love what I do. So it's 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 not to me, it's not work. And, you know, I spend time with my family. I work. I travel and I see yeah. my friends. Like those are the most important things. Sure. And so there's got to be a little bit of play on your trip here to I Montana. I love to play. Yeah, yeah. So what's you're here for the Gilkey lecture, but what else is happening? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to fly up to Bozeman. Okay. Spend the day in Bozeman and then go up to Big Sky and ski Saturday and Sunday. Fantastic. And then head back to Portland on Monday. Good snow here this season. Yes, I just I just checked it out and it looks like they have at least a 100-inch base there, so I am going to be ripping it up. Yeah, you'll have no shortage of fun out there. Well, Michelle, I can't thank you enough for one for being here, for bringing this message to our students, to our community, and for coming on the podcast, being generous with your time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to the talk tonight. This podcast won't post until after that. Yeah. But again, congratulations thank and you. thank you. Thank you. Coming up next week, we have Joel Benenson. Joel Benenson is a political pollster extraordinaire and owner and founder of the Benenson Strategy Group. He was head pollster on Hillary Clinton's campaign and Barack Obama's 2012 campaign, and he's worked on two other presidential campaigns as well. He was here visiting uh, to speak to a political science course I co-teach with Professor Sarah Rinfrey and was kind enough to come on the podcast. So we're going to geek out on some politics next week. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. Remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're our first sponsor, and we can't thank them enough. CED is one of the largest electrical wholesale supply companies in the country with nearly 600 locations nationwide. CED is a privately owned business-to-business -business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment you need to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, 
and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in our community, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out www.cedcareers.com. Moving forward, if you have any suggestions for guests, cool people doing awesome things, please let us know. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the show. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. And third, please just tell your friends about it. In addition, you can also support A New Angle financially. For information on sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website, www.business.umt.edu slash anewangle. There you will also find a link to support the pod. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few folks for making this project happen. First, my colleagues at the College of Business for supporting this endeavor. In particular, Professor Josh Herbold for writing and recording original music for the show. We also have music provided by Switchback Records, a student-run record label here at the college. I'd also like to thank Elizabeth Willey, recent UM graduate Michelle DeFluke, and the entire comms team here at the College of Business. And finally, thanks to my producer, Stefan Borsum. As we close, if you have any suggestions, comments, questions, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.